Ah, we are back for another episode of Off the Dome. It's another debate episode with uh, my Twitter front of me, uh, Jay Goody, Jordan Goodhart, uh, one of the leaders in uh, the, the roasting of me on Twitter, uh, and one of the best sports minds out there. The, welcome to another episode. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Um, I'm here with Titans Fanatic. And uh, you know how Pat McAfee call uh, says on a show, it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, sorry, Rogers Tuesday. I call it Jordan J. Goody Saturday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Excited for another week of this. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, let's uh, let's get right into it. This is off limits, just like undisputed. <laughs> Let me ask you this before we start: Would you say you're the Sh- Shannon and I'm the Skip? Except I love LeBron. I think a lot of my opinions are more in tune with Skip. Like, I agree with Skip more than you do, but I feel like the way you go about it, <laughs> it's more like Skip, you know, you're a little more, you, you talk like him a lot. Like, you, you kind of, I don't know, you have that, like, vibe when you debate. It's, that makes sense. Yeah, I would say so. He, I will say this. He is the best troller of all time. He's good at what he does. He, uh, yeah. Well, you hate him or love him, he he is very good. That's why he makes millions of freaking dollars. The easiest job in the world. You say bizarre takes, and you get paid all that money. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's get right into the action. Um, so first one, the first topic. Let's talk about this. So the Thursday night game was for most of the game except for that amazing O-lineman play that didn't count, I thought it was probably the most boring Thursday night game I've ever seen. Seriously, there was nothing really fun about that game. The Miami Dolphins, I give a lot of credit. They were able to pull through. They uh, had that return touchdown on the fumble recovery. They picked Lamar off. Shout out to the Miami defense. I had him on my fantasy team, and they were phenomenal that game. And... And they were able to win that game, holding the explosive Baltimore Ravens offense to 10 points. They won by a score 22 to 10. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens first. If you are a Ravens fan, scale of 1 to 10, how concerning is this? I think it's very concerning. I think you're probably at about a 6 or 7 right now, which is very high in my opinion. I mean, it's concerning because... Every game that they've, a lot of the games that they've won this year have been from behind and have had slow starts. They've started off slow every game almost. And this game, you kind of, you were expecting them to kind of pull away or come back at any point because they, they always start off slow and they just didn't do that. And they kind of got exposed like they did against the Bengals. The Bengals and Dolphins both kind of did the same thing, you know, running that mid blitz and confusing Lamar, confusing the coaching staff. It worked and it's worked in the past. You've seen the Titans do it. Many teams do it. It's There's a way to beat them. And if you can do it well and you can execute, then the Ravens have a struggle on their hands. And it's nothing that they can't fix. So while not in total panic mode, that definitely is concerning, especially with that AFC North looking wide open right now. Uh, I'm going to say I, I'm at a five with the concerns because I will say this. Lamar Jackson has been one of the more explosive, probably been the most explosive quarterback in the league this year. 
I mean, there's nothing really wrong like for him. I mean, he's he has a he had a bad game. Every quarterback, every great quarterback, has a bad week. It happens. Uh, do I think they're gonna? I never. First of all, I never thought they would go far this year. I had them making the playoffs, so I would thought they'd be a wild card team. So I never thought. If you're talking about Super Bowl expectations, not only is it a concern because I expect them just to be a playoff team and arguably the one of the two toughest divisions in football, the AFC North, um, along with that's up there along with the NFC West is the toughest divisions in football, I would say. So I, I don't think it's a big concern because I think they're a playoff team still. But I will say this, it is a somewhat of a concern about the way they start off games. I mean, every game, even the games they've won, yes, they're the comeback team of the, of the league, but I want to see a game where they get off to a great start and do not let up for one bit. And unfortunately, they maybe did not take their opponents seriously enough because Miami's won, just won for the first time since week one of last week against arguably the worst team in football in the Houston Texans. And But I was thinking, okay, the Ravens are going to view this as a trap game, just like how your Titans view the Jets as a trap game. And I, And that's why I said, okay. I think they're going to have a great game against Lamar Jackson. Third primetime game, Thursday night in South Florida. A defense that's played better of late. They obviously weren't the same solid defense they were a year ago, but they looked like it last week. Xavier Howard that game, oh my God. He was phenomenal, man. He had like four sacks that game. He had the fumble recovery and the interception. Like, it was incredible. He had an unbelievable game. This Brian Flores' defense – I mean, you, we can question Tua. We'll talk about him in a second. But he's always been a good defensive coach. They, they, he just hasn't had the right personnel this year. But they finally pulled it off with a good uh, blitz they did against Lamar, which what what the Bengals did and what your Titans did. And they played very well. I'm not concerned about Lamar, though. I mean, he's top six, top ten in the league at passing yards. He's number six in the league. And he's one, still one of the best runners in the league. I mean, he's number four in the league in rushing, so they will figure it out. I think the Baltimore Ravens team will start, will figure it out. I mean, I'm not going to get too concerned if I were a Ravens fan. I mean, they didn't run the ball very particularly well against the Miami defense. I mean, their running backs didn't do that great, and they had very minimal help on the receiving end except for Rashad Bateman. But I think they're fine. I don't think it's anything to really panic about. Uh, I do want to see them get off to better stars, though, because if they get off, they can't rely on just coming back. But I'd say I'm at a five on that end. Yeah, and something that they can feed off of and Ravens fans can look at as a positive from this game, if there is anything, it's the defense. Uh, I mean, looking at the 22 points, it's not a great thing to look at, but their defense played phenomenal the whole game. They kept them in that game. Granted, it was against the Dolphins. But this defense has struggled all year, stopping the pass, letting up big plays. Marlon Humphreys really struggled. But he's had a down year. I don't know what's with him. Maybe he, he's, again, he's not in the right position because of trying to replace Marcus Peters, who tore his Achilles before before the season started, and that whole terrible onslaught of Ravens injuries before the year started was horrible. So Yeah, and while it has been a very – crazy year for the Ravens and you don't you can't really figure them out yet they did have that game against the Chargers uh, a while back like 
four or five weeks ago. Yeah, they were. That, that's when I thought they'd be a Super Bowl contender for sure. Yeah, that's probably their most complete game, thirty-four to six. Like that's that's their defense playing great and their offense playing great. They got off to a hot start and they just never looked back. So they just haven't really looked like that since that game. And credit credit to the Dolphins, like you said, Xavier Howard played phenomenal. Great coach game by Flores. You could obviously which team was you could see which team was prepared more. The hung, that was a classic case of hungry dog runs faster. While the Dolphins are kind of out of it at this point, three and seven. They, hey, we've seen crazier things happen in that AFC. Uh, you can see them maybe make a push for that seventh seed. Probably not, but if they lose that game, you have no hope. And then shout out to Javon Holland out of Oregon. You know, he's a rookie this year. He played his butt off that game. He really showed out. Him and Xavier Howard kind of torched them on that defense. You see Holland blitzing every play. He did get that one rough in the passer call, but I don't really like that. Yeah, I just got to say this. Like, there was a where one of the guys, Hollins, I think it was, touched Lamar's jersey like this after the play. So apparently now that's a rough in the passer call. Apparently that's how it is. I just think the officials this year have been terrible. Like, the taunting penalties and that soft penalty call. Like, the official, the officiating this year has been terrible. We can at least agree on that. Yeah, and it's it's on the officials, and it's also on the head of the officials and whoever's telling them to put a point of emphasis on taunting because you know the officials are told to call more tauntings this year. They're ta- they're told to look at the taunting more and look at the rough and the passer more, so they kind of feel the need to throw the flag when it's fifty fifty or not even fifty fifty, just like anything that could be close to it. So I think that needs to change. I think they need to have a meeting or something and get this changed, especially for the playoffs because. You, the, the one thing you don't want is it to ruin a game. Right. And, and sidestep that to talk about the NBA officiating. They're not getting enough calls for players that are leaning into contact. But if it's a foul, you got to call it. I just think the officiating in the NBA and NFL lately has been trash, in my opinion. Yeah. And the NBA is still adjusting to the new rules of just oh, well, not, yeah. not letting, you know, guys like James Harden and Trey Young and Curry just kind of throw up <laughs> and say it's a foul. So right. I like. I like that they're not doing that, but I think that there are times where people are getting hacked, like James Arden especially. He's driving to the hoop and getting hacked, and they're not calling it because they kind of assume right. he's flailing into it. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been gross in both leagues, and it kind of it, it, it ruins the pace of the game in the NFL, especially when you're watching a primetime game and you don't really have red zone. Right. When you're watching a primetime game, it's sometimes hard to watch when the refs are stopping the play every other play and, like, discussing it and – taking way too much time and making the wrong calls just hard. Right. Now, let's talk about, before we sidestep into one of our big topics, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins side. Uh, I am personally not a Tua fan. I, I was high on Tua from Alabama, but he's been hurt. And all, other than that, I just don't think he's very good. So, in your opinion, I know it's his second year in the league, would you? Is it too early to call to a a big disappointment? Or are you still get, are you going to rule him out for being like in that class of Burrow and Herbert? Or are we just going to just at least label him as a bust right now? Because I am don't want to rule him out just yet, but I haven't really seen anything from him to make to that makes me think okay, he's the best Miami Dolphins quarterback since Marino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you can't you obviously right now can't put him in the class of Burrow and Herbert who no, are playing like him right now. But I think he's still a serviceable NFL quarterback, and we've only we haven't seen much of him. We've seen what like ten games of him in these past two years of him starting. 
Uh, last year, it took him until about midway through the season to start. And then even when he did start, he was rotating in and out with Fitzpatrick, which I never really understood. I mean, it won I, I think what I, I followed the Dolphins closely last year because uh, I thought because I was big on Brian Flores to be coach of the year. And it was curious how Tua would be. Tua would be like the starting pitcher, right? And Fitz Magic would be like the Mariano Rivera, the closer. And he was, my God, he was an unbelievable closer for the Dolphins last year. I'm a big Fitz Magic fan, but that's just me. But I thought Tua, I just thought he was very, if I had to pick one word on him, I would say it's conservative. Yeah, he plays very conservative. They don't really let him air it down. Uh, air downfield that much, but we saw it in Alabama. He's not a deep. He's not going to beat you over the top throwing. He's very smart. He'll throw the slant well. He's a lefty, so you like defenses see the ball different. He's mobile. He's plays with a ton of heart. I mean, ever since he's kind of gotten into the NFL, it's been Tua versus the world, kind of you know, because Herbert emerged right away, Burrow emerged right away. People doubted Tua because he didn't start right away. And then when he did, he wasn't what we expected or what we saw. He's battled injuries. He's battled, you know, frankly, his coaching staff. It doesn't seem like they believe in him. I, While I agree with you, I love Flores, and I think he brings a culture to that team. I think he has a great defensive mind. It's just very questioning to me why he's so down on Tua and won't start him last game when he was fully healthy. I mean, they were. He had a, he had a bad, I think, thumb it was. Yeah, he had that injury, but he was able to come into the game and go 8 for 13 with 158 yards and a rushing touchdown in 104 rating. Like, he won- he led them to that victory. Um, he was clearly ready to go. While it might have been a concern to his injury, I don't know why he would even be active if he was that hurt. Where If he couldn't start, I don't know why he would be the backup, if that makes sense. I just think Flores is kind of – I don't think he manages well his quarterbacks. I understand last year – it's Fitzpatrick, but you have Jacoby Brissett this year. No, no hate to Jacoby Brissett, but he's not a good quarterback. He was I mean, okay. No. The year before Phillip Rivers came, when Andrew Locke retired, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was terrible. I mean, he got he's, his knees have been banged up a lot, even with the Colts. Like that's kind of when he kind of started his downfall. In the and he had kinda. a couple good games with the Patriots when Brady was still in that Deflategate uh, scandal when Garoppolo was hurt. I mean, he played a couple good games for them. He's not. He's not a scrub. Yeah, he earned himself a starting quarterback role the next year after that New England thing, or a couple years after. And I don't know. I just don't understand why you can't. It's because it's more or less you're two and seven. It's not even about. I, I know they want to win. You never try to lose, but it's not even about giving your best chance to win by starting Jacoby. It's about you have this the fifth overall pick last year on your roster, who while he has like a banged up. Uh, finger. He was clearly able to start that game. He was clearly able to play that game. He played well when he was. So it just is concerning to me that he's not developing Tua. Having him come off the bench and play in and out and play a quarter, come out for a quarter, losing trust in him, having the media talking about Deshaun Watson, rumors, like you're just taking away his confidence and you're not able to develop him as a starting quarterback in this league and see the full potential he has. I mean, you drafted a receiver to kind of give him that help, and we just haven't really seen it this year, whether it's the injuries, the coaching, Tua just not being that great. I don't know, but I think they have more problems in the quarterback position on offense, and their defense hasn't been great up until the past couple games. But it's going to be interesting to see where they go in the offseason and draft, frankly, with the quarterback. 
the most the most awkward thing was when someone when the Sean Watson rumors were swirling about him being on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, a reporter asked Tua, "Do you feel like you're wanted?" And he said, "I don't feel not wanted." I was like, "Oh, I don't know." I mean, he, he just that that just shows you that they don't put trust in Tua. I don't get it. Maybe like if they're just concerned about because he's had two big rib and hip injuries back in Alabama. Maybe it's the fact that he's dealt with tons of injuries. I they're just maybe he, he they are just not big on him. And I personally think from the way I have seen from Tua, respectfully of course, I think he's an okay game manager. But the way he throws a football, like, I don't know if you notice this, he doesn't throw any zip on his passes. He throws, like, sort of lobs on his, as a lefty. I'm just not – and I just think – I think I he's a good kid. He has a big heart. But I feel like in order to play the quarterback position, you're going to have to be willing to take risks down the field, and you're going to have to at least develop some zip on the football. And if you're just going to throw lobs, then you're unfortunately going to be like Tebow and he, and not develop enough. And I think he can run the ball. I think he's tough. I think he's a good, I like to think he's a good teammate. I don't know. I am just not big on Tua. And also I just don't think he's that good and he's hurt and he's too injury prone. There was even questions before he got drafted on if he would ever play in the league again. So I am not the biggest Tua fan. Hopefully, he I could see a couple games on him. I want to see how he does. I'm not gonna rule him out in that class yet because we did know about like with with Jared Goff. I mean, the first year before Sean McVay came, he was a bust, and then he played pretty good, and he's still a starter in this league. So I'm not. He could sort of be like a Jared Goff type. I'm not gonna rule him out yet on being a starting cornerback in the league. But from what I've seen from him, he's not what I – if I were a coach, I wouldn't have him as my starting quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, right now, I'd like to see him be the starter for the next, for the last seven games of the year. I do want to see more out of him. We can, we can at least agree I want to see more out of him if before I could start labeling him a bust. Yeah, I think you start him the rest of the year. You're three and seven. You have seven games left. I say you start him the rest of the year and see see how he plays. It doesn't matter if you win games or not, but I see. I think you can see if he is your future in these next seven games because he's never had a stretch of seven games where he's played all of them. Like last year, he was on and off with an injury. He didn't start till half of the year. He, halfway through the year, he was in and out with Fitzpatrick. This year, he's been on and off the field with injuries. I say you finally give him that seven-game stretch of starting every single game, as long as he stays healthy, obviously. And then you can finally see what you have in your quarterback. And then you decide in the offseason what you want to do with that. And, yeah, maybe go for Deshaun Watson if the uh, allegations clear up and he's able to play. Maybe draft a quarterback. While this is a very weak quarterback class, they're going to have a lot of high picks. Right. Maybe first-rounders this year, and they're both looking like they're going to be in the top 10 to 15 picks. So, Okay. Now, I want let's get into the most anticipated topic, the breaking news. Uh, so on Thursday, I was just at work, and then I got a text from you Thursday, say, and you said, I'll read you our text conversation on air, You and you said, wow, and I was like, 
what, 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 what is it? And he said, and you said, bro, Odell, Odell. I was like, what? He said, you said Rams, laughing my A off. I was like, wow. And I just listed off to you the big star power in LA from all the big athletes. And now OBJ is in Los Angeles Rams. Let me ask you this. When you when we all found out this earthquake of a news, what was your first reaction when you found out that OBJ was a Los Angeles Ram? Okay, so I was actually getting ready to go to work that day and I had I like just saw it pop up on my phone. I saw an Adam Schefter alert on Twitter. And at first I thought it was a joke. Maybe someone changed their name to Adam Schefter. Because it did have a typo in it originally. It had like two spaces in a row and it should have just been one or something. So I thought it was a joke because, you know, two days before you were seeing on like Instagram and like Twitter like memes of like, oh my God, tag a Rams fan to freak him out. OBJ to the Rams, like it's a joke. And then finally actually seeing it happen just had me shocked. Because you see all these people reporting Packers, Chiefs, Saints, Patriots with a late push. Originally, we, I, I was thinking, originally the, the report was that the teams that he was interested in were the Packers and the Chief and the Saints. Originally, I thought it was going to be between those two teams because Odell uh, loves Aaron Rodgers and he sees great potential with the Pack, saw great potential with the Packers, and he wanted to go to the Saints because he's obviously from there, but Obviously, the quarterback is not really above average. So, anyways, continue. Yeah, and now I'm not totally shocked by the fact that he's going to the Rams because the Rams are just all in. They don't care about anything at this point. They're saying, screw salary cap, screw the future. We want to win now. (laughs) Now, like this year, they're all in. So, I'm not as shocked that he went to the Rams, but I'm also just shocked about the, the reports of the teams he was looking at. None of them were the Rams. The fact that Thursday morning, there was reports that he was going to wait till after Sunday to make the decision. That was that was weird. And then you just out of nowhere to see that he's going to the Rams, and then you had the oh, but he's not a hundred percent going to the Rams yet. But like some reporters saying like yo yo yo, hold up, he's not going to the Rams hundred percent. He hasn't signed a contract. But then Schefter was saying no, he's he's about to sign the contract. Like he's in agreement with the Rams. And then I just also want to. Start this off by prayers up to Robert Woods. Oh yeah, that, I, I I just want to say that. I'm gonna just we'll, we're gonna I'm gonna discuss that in my take, but that is a bad loss. I'm a fan of Robert Woods, and I, I thought he'd be a big factor on the team that I picked and I and invested in to win the Super Bowl. Uh, that's just terrible. I'm gonna knock on wood for him because I hate that he's such a good player in this league. It is awful, and I, I feel bad for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And it just shows how. At the time, they didn't know this, but this signing is much bigger now than it was before. Yeah. We really have to see OBJ. He's going to have to prove himself, and he's going to have to help them win football games because now they just lost, in my opinion, one of the most key receivers, one of the most key players to their team. Right. Very under the – we're going to see how much he means to them because he may not be the big-name guy. He may not get all this press. He may not put up thousands of receiving yards. He may not put up all these catches like this year specifically. He may not get all the touchdowns, but he's a phenomenal blocker. And in this Rams offense, McVay lives and breathes on 
his receivers being able to block with their type of schemes, with their running outside and all of that. And Woods was that guy. He's probably the, one of the better blocking receivers in the game, and it mattered so much to them. So it's going to just be – it's going to be sad. It's going to be interesting to see if Odell – I don't think he's going to be able to fit that role especially, but it's going to be able to – it's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate him into the offense now uh, because he's going to have to step in there right away and be a factor. Okay. So I when I heard this news, uh, I was thinking two sides of this thing. I was thinking – when I first said – I firstly, first of all, I thought he was going to go to. Uh, first of all, originally we were talking about this when the Browns released OBJ. I personally thought, okay, for his personality and for who OBJ is, he's a big name brand. I mean, I know he's a great. He's he's had a couple thousand receiving yard years. Was one of the more explosive players in the league. He's in that elite celebrity stratosphere. He's friends with Drake. He's friends very close with LeBron. He's very close with all these big-name celebrities. And I thought, okay, for his personality, I never thought he would be the best fit in Cleveland. We could both agree with that. We both disagree on Baker. We're going to talk about him later in our show. But they obviously did not work well together for Baker's style for and for what the Browns were able to do. Baker's and the Browns were all about play action and crossing routes. and. Baker is not a deep ball thrower, and OBJ is a deep ball receiver still. He still can receive the deep ball. He's not quite as explosive as he once was because of the injuries, but I still think he can be effective. So I never thought they were the best fit. But when we were going through it, I said, okay, big name. I personally thought the Raiders would be the best fit because their leading target receiver was Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, and I thought, okay, he would be a perfect addition to that in a very much improved Las Vegas Raiders team, big city in Vegas. I thought for his personality, be great. And then that was ruled out, obviously, because they signed uh, Deshaun Jackson, who OBJ is replacing. So, and then when I went through that, we first of all, the teams that were listed were the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Saints. I didn't first when I went through it. I personally thought it was going to be between Packers and the Saints, but I was never never thought he would go to the Saints because the quarterback he needs a Super Bowl. I think the Saints have a great defense. They have good weapons. They have Alvin Kamara and Callaway. But I just do do we did we really think he'd want to receive balls from Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill? No, we never thought that the Packers. Devontae said that I guarantee we'll get you more targets. But then I saw the report that they lowballed him and I didn't and I didn't think they truly felt from they would only offer him the vet minimum. And I personally, for a football standpoint, that would have made more sense because that would have given the Packers another big option playmaker, along with Devontae. No disrespect to Al Lazard or M. Marquez Valdez Scandling or anybody like that, but I felt like he would have been better. I felt like he would have been a nice fit there. But then when I, out of nowhere, I said, wow, he's going to the Los Angeles Rams. So when I heard that news, I said, Per, off the field wise, I think it makes perfect sense because, like I said, he's a big name brand. He never belonged in Cleveland. He belonged in a big city. He lives in LA in the off season. 
He's a big name guy. And OBJ is like a Hollywood type of star. And I personally felt like it would be home for him. That is a perfect fit for him. And he, and for great for endorsements, he's just a big name brand. That's who he is. LA from off the field, I thought would make terrific sense. And because LeBron, and I think LeBron kind of had something to do with it because they're obviously really good friends. And he did tweet out that free OBJ, but, and they're obviously close, but that's not going to get off topic. But then when I was thinking about it, this was before the Robert Woods injury, I was thinking, I was just going to know when he was going to get his targets because he already had Cooper cup who was going to be breaking so many records and he's the best, been the best receiver in the league this year. He already had Robert Woods at the time, who was a good complimentary receiver, Van Jefferson, who's a nice up and coming receiver out of Florida. And you also had a good solid underrated running back at Daryl Henderson. So I was thinking, okay, where was he going to fit? with this system, but the more that I think about it, and as much as it sucks that Robert Woods is hurt, and it is a big loss because I picked that team to win the Super Bowl, and I have a future on them to win the Super Bowl. Listen, I was last week on the show, I've been very critical of Odell. I'm not personally, I'm not the biggest fan of OBJ, but I will give him this. As much as it sucks that Robert Woods is hurt, this could be a blessing in disguise for him to prove me and a lot of haters wrong. And in this case, I'm sort of, this is the one time where I'm kind of rooting for him because I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl and I want them to go at least go to the Super Bowl. So I want him to do well. I, I hope this is a good chance for him to redeem himself. And I will also give him this. Matt Stafford fits with Odell better than Baker ever did because Matt Stafford is a deep ball thrower. He still has one of the best arms in the league in this age, and I'm not going to spoil where he is on my MVP, but we're going to talk about that later. He's in my top five, and he still leads the league in passing yards, and OBJ could still run the deep ball. He still can. He's not explosive as he once was. The the one thing that will not but that will I still am concerned about him of how he's gonna handle the targets because he's still gonna feed Cooper Cup. He's still gonna feed Van Jefferson. He still has Tyler Higby. He I'm just concerned of if he's gonna be willing to sacrifice some of the targets. Uh, because at the end of Cleveland, what like what we saw two weeks ago, he only targeted him like three times and he caught one ball for six yards. And his main target always was Jar- Baker's target always was Jarvis. So I'm curious how he's going to fit still. But I think now that Robert Woods is hurt, it frees up more room for OBJ. And hopefully he can sort of get back to what he was with the Giants and his first year in Cleveland where he had 1,000 yards. And their offense is explosive now. I mean, adding OBJ. You also still have Cooper Cup. You have Daryl Henderson, who has been one of the top 15 or 17 running backs in the league this year. He's been solid this year. And you still have Van Jefferson. And your defense is going all in super team, if there ever is one, adding Von Miller. And you have Aaron Donald. And you have Leonard Floyd. And you have Jalen Ramsey. This team said, screw the, screw the cap, screw the future. 
I don't care. We are all in this year. It is Super Bowl or bust. This is a big name going to a big brand. This is all in. There's no excuse now for the Rams not to win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And OBJ, I hope this works out, but I also cannot see it working out. But hopefully, I'm in this case, I'm rooting for Odell, and I hope he does well. And I think maybe it makes sense. Maybe it could be a blessing disguise of Robert Woods' injury now that he gets the targets. And we'll see how he does with the Rams. Yeah, and going off what you said with the whole, what is he gonna? How is he gonna react when he's not getting the targets that he may have expected? I don't know what his expectations were targets wise when he did sign with the Rams. Because I mean, when he signed with them, they already had two star receivers, or if you want to put Robert Woods on that level, two really good receivers that Stafford loves, and Stafford has targeted a lot this year. So. Maybe he was thinking he could be the third receiver in the slot, maybe, and they could just switch off. And now that Cooper Cup would be targeted, would would be targeted from from the corners, I think, in their zone. Maybe I think that would free up OBJ. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this this move by him, this decision by him, is kind of him saying, "I'm," kind of him showing. People like you and people, the haters who. Said, I'm not. I'm not a hater. I. 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 I like. I. I like him more off the field. I. I was like him off the field. I. I respect him as a talent. I just don't think he was what he used to be because of the injuries and because I just lately I just think he's too much, you know, out there. But I like I said, I want him to do well. I'm kind of rooting for him this year with the Rams. Yeah, I just saying, you know, like last week, you kind of how he on sound effects said, "When am I going to get my touchdowns?" And you kind of questioned. I mean, you saw on the sidelines multiple times. Yeah, I'm just saying, you kind of questioned his commitment to winning rather than just getting the ball and putting up the stats. I think him signing with the Rams showed his commitment to winning because if he really wanted the ball and really wanted the stats, that would have been more of a Saints move because they don't have much receivers. The Packers, because you know, he did, I, he did consider those two, but I think he wanted to play with a good quarterback. Matt Stafford, we both can agree, is a top five MVP candidate, and I think he saw something there. And Jalen Ramsey and Vaughn and Cooper Cup and those guys recruited him to come, they showed the commitment, sort of like how they did with KD to the Warriors, how remember when they were in the Hamptons and Steph and Clay and Draymond and Iguodala showed up and recruited him. They did that. The Rams did that with OBJ over FaceTime and they showed they were all in. I got, I got to respect the Rams for showing commitment to OBJ. Yeah. And I think that goes to my point that I'm kind of leading to is that this is less about how the Rams got him and more about how the Packers lost him. I think he was going to the Packers. I thought, and personally, I thought he would have been. I know I hate the Packers because I'm a diehard Bears fan, but I at least thought that would have been made more sense at the time before Robert Woods' injury, because they he was better than every other receiver on that team besides Devontae Adams, and I yeah. felt like that would have been perfect for OBJ to play with Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, and I felt they would have gotten along on the field 
And I felt like Aaron would have liked would have liked to have another. Odell would have been his best number two receiver he's ever had. No disrespect to Jory Nelson and Randall Cobb, but that he would have been that would have made way more sense. But for Odell's brand and who he was, he never belonged in a middle of the road city. He belonged in the bright lights for his brand. So that's so more in the end. I think it somewhat makes sense that he wound up with the Rams. Yeah, I think I think he Thursday before the Rams even started talking to him, I think he was sold on the Packers with the reports that are coming out about how they had kind of given him that offer. I thought he was going to be a Packer. Yeah, I think everyone kind of assumed he was going to be a Packer. I think he may have assumed he was going to be a Packer, but he was going to wait to make that decision. I, I don't think he wanted to necessarily jump on it already this week, but I think he was very close to signing with the Packers. And there's reports going out that the Packers lowballed him. I don't know if they necessarily lowballed him. I think, I think they the gave him. I think they gave him the vet minimum, which is crazy because as much as I'm not the biggest Odell fan now, he's worth way more than the vet minimum. Well, I think the vet minimum was what because the Browns are paying his contract off. I think it was because. Hey, I think how much is he getting paid from the Browns still? I don't know exactly, but I think the. That minimum was what he had to be paid, unless he had a bonus on. And I don't think the Packers added the bonus. I think they kind of just assumed everyone was going to give him the bet minimum. And then I think the Rams swooped in and was like, you know what? We don't care. We'll we'll give you a four point five million dollar whatever it is. We'll give you a bonus just to incentivize you coming here. You know, guys like McVay. McVay makes everyone happy. No He's one my favorite added. coach in the league. I love Sean McVay. He finds a way to make everyone fit in together everyone to be happy playing for the Rams, everyone to want to play for the Rams, not just that it's L.A., but because of the Sean McVay connection that you have. He'll make you happy. I think he called up OBJ or got in contact with OBJ, pitches, pitched him. He's a player's coach, and it's so great that the fact that he's still that young where he can connect with them at this age. And Sean McVay, I think, is probably the youngest coach in the league, in my opinion. So I think there are some players on the team that are actually older than him. But in all seriousness, he's he's a player's coach, and he's I feel like he's buddy buddy with the team. But he's also tough on them on the field, and I think he's an a, amazing offensive mastermind. He didn't really show it against your Titans because they had a bad week, but I think that Odell will love playing for McVay because I feel like he'll get him some more opportunities. And unlike now with Robert Woods being out, unlike what Kevin Stefanski and the year before Freddie Kitchens did with him in Cleveland. Yeah, and I think the Packers, their very their front office is very questionable. Oh yeah, we yeah yeah. It's obviously they're they're questionable. What they did the A Rod in the offseason, yeah, they they are questionable. Lafleur, Lafleur, you can argue is a good coach, a great coach, even, yeah. but. You don't know how he connects with players. You don't know. I mean, you don't know how. No one really knows how he connects with the players. How he connects with Rogers. It seems like it's kind of a Rogers-led team rather than a Lafleur-led team. So you don't. I, I don't think he really ever made a push for Odell. I don't think he ever contacted Odell. Devontae, I know, made a push for Odell. He hundred percent did. I think him and Odell are pretty close. But I think the fact that he got all this love from the Rams and it felt like more of a family when McFay's contacting him, Ramsey's contacting him, Von Miller's contacting him. When Ramsey FaceTimed him, he put Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on the phone and 
he connected with them too and was like, you know what, I want to play with these guys. They're a great bunch of guys. The front office is great. He's going to be in L.A. I mean, people are we're worried about the Texans in L.A., but I don't think Odell's worried about anything. Odell's a big-name brand. He's a bright lights guy. I, I never thought he was a Cleveland guy. I always thought he was a Miami, New York, L.A. type of guy. Odell was the toast of New York before he got traded off to Cleveland. Everyone loved him. And he's going to be another big-name player in L.A. Just think about the stars in L.A., not just celebrities, but the athletes from big-name brands. Like, there's big names on the Rams. There's there's big names on the Chargers now with Herbert coming up and coming. We know about the about the NBA with the star power there with the Lakers and the Clippers. We know about the Dodgers now. And we know about – we. L.A.'s packed with stars right now in the, in the sports world. Yeah, because as much as – I mean, all those teams that you named, every team in L.A. is like over the past few years has been at one point a winning team, a winning organization. Yeah. The Clippers have been a winning team. Chargers this year are up and coming. Uh, so it's, a t- it's as much as about how good they are, the fact that the off-the-field connections that you're going to get being in L.A., you're going to get the attention. You're going to get the notoriety. And that's perfect for Odell's brand. That's perfect for him. That's why off the field, I felt it made total sense for him to go to L.A. Yeah. I've seen this house down there in L.A. He's he's not going to have any problems down there. No, no. He's going to love L.A. And and let me ask you this with the Rams. before, Before we move on to our next topic, in the NFC, does this put them over the top as the clear-cut favorites to win at least the NFC, in your opinion? Because you played them last week, and they – and I give – it was mainly your defense that won that game. In your opinion, with the Odell signing, does this put them as the clear-cut favorites to at least win the NFC? No. I don't think they're oh. – the fa- In my opinion, I don't think they're the favorites. But – and if they were the favorites, I don't think Odell does enough to really boost them up. I mean, they're you look at all the I mean, there's all these numbers and stuff of like the playoff chances. Their playoff chances didn't go up anything. Their Super Bowl chances didn't go up anything with Odell. Maybe like a percent. But he's well, it's a great signing, I'm not taking that away. He's a great player, everything. You're basically, at this point, now that we found out about Robert Woods, you're replacing Robert Woods with Odell Beckham. I don't think it's much of an... I mean, receiving-wise, great improvement, but what Robert Woods did to that for that team is hard to replicate, and we're going to just have to see how Odell does. But I don't think... I think they were already a phenomenal team. I don't think they needed Odell, but I think he, he, can, he can only help, but I don't think they're the favorites, no. Okay, I I don't think it's going to change because I still think they're the best team in the NFC from top to bottom. The thing about the about Odell is I, I'm rooting for him and I hope he does well. I think this is a good opportunity for him. I really do. I still think he could be a good number two receiver. And uh, and this is me. And you are an Odell supporter. I'm. Not anti-Odell, but I'm not his biggest fan. But in this case, I'm actually going to defend him against you this time. How weird is that? I'll give him this. 
let me do you th- let me ask you this. Do you think right now who's better, Odell or Deshaun Jackson? Oh, Odell. Okay. So Odell, I still think, is going to be a much better fit than Deshaun Jackson ever was. And now and now that Robert Woods was out, I still I think he'll be the number two option. I mean, do you really think you'll trust Van Jefferson over Odell Beckham Jr.? Hell no. you I still option or better than what they had, but I don't think he puts them that much over the top than what they already will. They were already a phenomenal team, a phenomenal roster. Right. I don't think that was something he really I think he can be the X factor. And this is a blessing in disguise. As much as Robert Woods is hurt. As much as it hurts that Robert Woods is out with an ACL, again, I'll knock on wood for him. And as I'm not taking anything away from his impact on the team, but Odell, I still think will fit with Matt Stafford because Baker, as much as I loved Baker, I love Baker. He was never the best deep ball thrower. Matt Stafford still has an arm and OBJ can still be a better deep threat than Deshaun Jackson was. He did have that one amazing catch Deshaun Jackson did against the Bucs for that long touchdown run. But but Odell can fit in a variety of ways because that can still free up Cooper Cup now. Now they can focus on him and they, they can free up Van Jefferson. And now you still have a good running game with Daryl Henderson. And you still have, when they put their minds to it, the best defense in football. So... I think it will only help them before if you were, if Robert Woods was still healthy, I didn't really think they necessarily needed him just as another option to maybe replace Van Jefferson. But now with this injury, this is a chance for Odell to shine and prove that he is still one of the near top elite receivers that we have in this league. So I am again, you are a fan of his. I am not, but I will give him this. If there's one chance he has to imp- to take this team over the top, now is the time because I feel like now he's going to love being in LA. Matt Stafford's going to and Odell will connect very very well, I feel like. And I just think now it's a blessing in disguise. So, in my opinion, I think that this that this will will only help them and I think talent-wise and if they put their minds to it, and if Matt Stafford could show what he's made up in the postseason, then I think the team is still the team to beat, not just in the NFC, but in the league in general. So my opinion, I think the Odell signing helps in this case, knowing that Robert Woods is hurt, and I still think they're the favorites to win the NFC, at least. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think, even before last week, I didn't, even with the Von Miller trade, I didn't think they were the favorites i think they still have stuff to prove like while on paper they could be i still they had i I still think they had stuff to prove by beating the cardinals by showing that they can be consistent because they've had two dud games at home yeah i'll give them this though those two losses were bad at home I, i cannot defend them on that i think week four against the cardinals I think maybe that they were so hyped against winning against Tampa Bay in the Bucs and they were treating that like a mini Super Bowl game that that um, that I think maybe they were just overlooking the Cardinals. And against the Titans, maybe they were just overlooking King Henry that game. 
in my opinion. So, I mean, and maybe the fact was Matt Stafford had arguably his worst game as an L.A. Ram. And I'll give him – and they were just never in sync that game. But the only team that could – the only people that could beat the Rams, other than potentially the Bucks, are themselves. And they beat themselves those two games. I think the Titans beat them Sunday. I mean, you, you have to well, – No, did, no, the uh, Titans' defense beat the Rams. The, all the, the Rams are good friends. But anyways, let's uh, move on to the next topic. The, I mean, this is... Let, let, let's, so let me announce the next topic we have. So the next topic we have is... is this is an interesting one. Um, this is... You, you know, we talk about great homecomings. There, there are great homecomings. There are some great homecomings where you say you're coming home and... I personally think that this is a great story. So Cam Newton on Thursday is is returning back to his MVP stopping ground with the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton is back in the black and black and blue, back in Carolina, back to where his powers were. So when you first heard this news, this is a two-part question. When you first heard this news, what were your thoughts on this? And do you think he's going to replace Sam Darnold? My first thoughts when I saw it, it was the same day as OBJ. So that was a big day. But uh, first thoughts were just happiness. Because, I mean, it's just a great story. You can love Cam. You can hate Cam. You can hate his off-field personality. You can hate his on-field game. But it's just seeing someone, not just Cam, but just seeing anyone go back to where they made their living where they had their best moments seeing someone go back to where they loved it's just so happy to see it's just so nice to see especially how the fans react and how he's reacted to it he's uh, he is so happy it's good to see I'm, I've always been a big camp fan he brought so much joy to football he was kind of when I was first starting to watch football when I first started getting into football when I grew up I'm still growing up but as I grew up as a younger kid he uh he was like the face of the NFL and just seeing him back in the Panthers uniform is going to be fun. It's going to be cool. I don't know how good he's going to be, but it's just going to be awesome to see. And I think, I mean, with Darnold's injury, he's out for around four weeks, I think. I think Cam can replace him. Cam wins a few games here. Matt Rule has not been too fond of Sam Darnold this year after the first three games. He, he was great the first three, but he turned back into the New York Jets, Sam Darnold. He was benched a couple times. By Matt Rule, Matt Rule said he has to play better. He's our quarterback, but he has to play better. And I think if they were fine with Darnold, I think they would have just stuck with P.J. Walker for a few games. Matt Barkley, they just signed from the Titans practice squad. But I think they wanted they want to win. They thought, hey, let's get the best region quarterback who was a starter last year, who lost the job this year. Let's bring in guys familiar with Carolina, familiar with the fans, familiar with how we roll. Let's bring in Cam Newton, and it's going to be interesting to see how him and Rule work together. But I think he does. I think he replaces Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold is their backup. Because so I don't think, just like the Patriots, I don't think Cam Newton's going to work as a backup in this league. So, and they're paying him a lot of money. It's not like they just gave him a veteran minimum. They gave him a lot of bonuses. They gave him a lot of. They gave him like four point five million guaranteed. That's that's a lot for a guy that you're signing in week ten. So I think he is their starting quarterback moving forward. 
for the rest of the season. I, I'm just I think- re- sorry, I'm just reading this, and I'm reading the CBS preview of the game between the Panthers and the Cardinals, and it does say that second-year quarterback P.J. Walker will likely get a chance to lead the Panthers on Sunday with Sam Darnold out at least four weeks with a shoulder injury. So I don't know what's going to happen Sunday. Yeah, I don't think that's anything to worry about. I think it's because Cam was signed Thursday. And while he was a Panther a few years ago, he wasn't a Matt Rule Panther. So it's going to be a different playbook than what he had. It's going to take him time. He would have had like one or two days of practicing this week. Probably just one because I don't think he practiced Thursday. So it's not a shock to me that he's probably not going to start Sunday. It would be crazy for him to start Sunday just being signed. But I think going forward after this game with that seven seed and maybe even six seed, depending on how the Saints do, it's wide open in the NFC. And it's going to be interesting to see how Cam works there. And I think I think he's better than Sam Darnold. I think he was better than Sam Darnold last year in New England. So, I, 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 Yeah. I don't think I don't think he's a better thrower than Sam Darnold is, but I do think he at least can make less mistakes with the football than Sam Darnold can. Sam Darnold makes more erratic decisions with the football, and I think Cam's a lot smarter with the football. And my thoughts on the signing, uh, first of all, my there's one word, it's joy, because this is a great story. And now with Cam being released from the Patriots, mostly due to I don't know if it was due to the fact that he wasn't the right fit or just for the fact that he, with the vaccine thing or whatever the case was, he got that figured out. And it's perfect to come back home to a team that you were the guy. You were the guy. You were the face of the league with the Carolina Panthers back then. Cam Newton, that 2015 season when he won MVP, he led the league at passing touchdowns and in rushing touchdowns that year, and Carolina had a 15-1 and regular season. They didn't show up in the big game against the Broncos, though. But that season was phenomenal. Everybody loved the Carolina Panthers that year. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's great that you get to come home to where it all started. And it was perfect that he's back with the Panthers. Now, do I think he could take them over the top? to go to the playoffs. I think he has potential too. I'm not saying that it's a lot to happen because I don't know when he's going to get the starting opportunity. Um, but I do think when he plays and when he's, when he's on the right track, I think he still can be a productive quarterback in this league. I still think he is a good rushing quarterback. I still think, I don't know about his passing ability because he's very inaccurate throwing, but I do think he will be smart enough, and I think Matt Rule trusts him enough to just be Cam. And he has DJ Moore. He still has Robbie Anderson. He still has CMC. And, he's, and the defense is still one of the top defenses in the league. So it's not a question, like, on, on the roster, I think, could still make the playoffs. I still think Carolina is a good defensive team. I still think they're overall – pretty solid on the season. I mean, if you rank all the total, the 32 defenses in the league, they are the number two total defense in the league. So they are pretty, they're still very elite on the defensive end. I still think they have enough playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I'm still big on the Panthers. And I think if Cam plays, I think they can make the playoffs this year. Now, yeah. 
Russell Wilson is back. And I still would give for that final wild card spot, I still would pick Seattle because I think Russell would take him over the top, in my opinion, to make the playoffs. But I'm not gonna rule out against I'm not gonna bet against the Cam and the Panthers to make the seventh spot. Yeah, I mean it's I don't think it's a question if they're gonna be a contender next. I don't think with him they're gonna I don't think they can expect to be a contender. I don't think anyone expects him to be a contender. Well, I do think they can easily I think this move can get them into the playoffs. I think they were their season was on the was down going downhill quick. They were losing a lot of games, their quarterback just got hurt. PJ Walker was gonna start. I don't think I mean he's fun. He can run a lot, he can run around, make some cool plays, but He's not going to win them football games and get them to the playoffs. So I think bringing in Cam gives them that opportunity to get into a wide open spot in the NFC wild card. Because outside of the five teams in the NFC, and then if you maybe want to group the Saints in there, they just lost to the Falcons. The six and seven spot in the NFC at this point are wide open. You have teams like the Saints, Falcons, Panthers, even the Vikings are losing a lot of close games. And then the Seahawks, you got Russell Wilson coming back. That's going to be interesting. I don't know if they – I still don't think the Seahawks team is very good. I don't think they're very good, but they still have a top three to five quarterback in the NF, in the league. And I'm yeah. never going to count out Russ because I still think he – I when healthy, we know how great Russell Wilson is. We know he's one of the top premier quarterbacks in the league. We do know that he is a Hall of Fame stud. We know that about Russ. So I'm not going to count him out. And I think – Still, in general, I think he's had a better career than Cam has. And I think he's probably, if I had to rank him right now, I think he's a top, maybe top two to three quarterback in the league. So I'm never going to count out against Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, another thing, a little off top, I mean, it's still on top of the Cam thing, but off top of where we were going. But I think, I don't know if you know this, but this is kind of crazy. I saw this on Twitter. I saw, it, I saw someone said the Panthers are paying Cam Newton's replacement, Teddy Bridgewater, they're still paying him, even though they traded him. They're paying Cam Newton's replacement's replacement, Sam Darnold. And now they're paying Cam Newton's I saw that. Who is indeed Cam Newton. So that's, I mean, it comes full circle. It's been two years and they're paying three quarterbacks to replace Cam Newton and one of them is Cam Newton. So um, it's good to see him back. He seems happy to be back there. Panthers fans seem happy to have him back. I haven't seen one negative thought about this. Everyone's rooting for Cam at this point. Everyone's rooting for this kind of Cinderella-esque homecoming type of story. I mean, I don't think they're going to win much, but win much to the playoffs, but I would love to see Cam back in the playoffs. And if he brings this team to the playoffs at a 4-5 and five record right now. That'd be one of the best storylines in the league. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. I, 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 I would like that. So the next the next thing we're going to discuss, this is a very interesting – oh, God. So I know how you and all the Twitter trollers troll me like last night about the Lakers. I know that you and Wit and Chuck and Adis and Weesh and that, and that whole crew – you all just have like a group chat of when you, you can roast me and the Lakers in there. But they've been inconsistent. Like there are some – the last two games, not last night, but Monday's game and Wednesday's game, let's just put it this way. Those two games have taken 
some years off my life from that <laughs> because those two games, like, it's so tough to win. And the, granted, the Miami win is probably the, their, their signature win of the year. Coming back down nine in the fourth quarter to win that game, that was, I thought, was a turning point. I was wrong because that, because last night was the most embarrassing third quarter I've watched in years. In your opinion, yeah. we'll talk about the other California team in a second, but in your opinion, where, where would you say the Lakers are at right now, like for as a team? Because they showed some good things this year. They've had some ugly losses. And they're sub-potential of the team I expect them to be. Where would you say they're at right now? I say they're still a question mark. I don't think they're bad. But I don't think they're great. And I don't think they've shown but, that they're but great. Help is on the way. Goat James comes back next week. Yeah, it's an interesting LeBron come back. But I think you look at them and you see – this roster, it's such a LeBron roster. LeBron put it together. He got the guys he wanted. He brought some guys back from that championship team that he wanted. He brought in his boy Melo. He brought, they brought in Russell Westbrook. And it just hasn't worked. Cause while LeBron has been out, I'll give you that, they're still, you look at them on paper, they should be beating teams like the Timberwolves. Even without LeBron well, James, the, I'll, I'll give the I'll at least give the Timberwolves this. People can roast me and say it was an embarrassing loss. It was, but the Timberwolves are better than what their records now. They're now four and seven record. They have the talent. I actually thought they'd be a playoff team this year because I'm Anthony Edwards is a stud. Big. They still have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell was coming back from his first team. So and they are better than what their record shows. So and I think they're still they they have the talent. So I'm not if they were playing, and also Oklahoma City's now five and six on the season, so they're not terrible like people thought they were two weeks ago. They still have talent, so I, I'm not going to excuse them for those losses. But they weren't awful. Now losing to the Rockets that would have been awful. But yeah, those are bad losses. But they're not trash teams like the media expected put them on the wolves at least show the wolves some respect they're they're way better than their what their four and seven record shows yeah i think i forgot exactly what my predictions were but i had the wolves making the playoffs i believe as so yeah we can at least agree on that somewhere between seven and ten in the playing games i think they they start off the season well they were three and one but they were on a six-game skid. They couldn't beat anyone. They couldn't get anything together. They were struggling to have chemistry and everything. And then they come out and beat the Lakers badly. Like, it wasn't like it was a close one. Or it was close until the 30-4 to run that the Timberwolves went on. The that wasn't even watching. That, what happened was Melo was at the end of the first quarter. The Lakers were up nine. And Melo fouled the three-point shooter on a half-court shot. And I said... Well, we're fucked because I knew after that dumb play, I, I knew they weren't going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, as I said, watch any of the game because I was watching my Bulls get fucked by Stephen Curry and the Warriors. Like, well, there's no, it, there's no shame in losing to the Warriors, but maybe losing yeah. by twenty plus a little bit. Yeah. But there's no shame in losing to the team in general. Yeah, so I, well, I didn't watch much of the Lakers game. I looked at the box score. I mean, Westbrook actually shot pretty well. He had a pretty, he had a pretty, he was very efficient. He was a minus 38, and I'm a, 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 and this year I'm a Russ supporter. 
I'm saying he was scoring efficiently. He was he didn't he shot like over fifty percent. He shot fifty percent from three, but he also turned it over five times and had like three assists. So he didn't play great, but he had a better scoring day than normal. Um, Malik Skunk had like oh my five. you you a hater you a hater. You were only saying this because I hyped him up. If I didn't hype him up, you wouldn't be saying this stuff. I was never – I never cared about Malik Monk. I thought he was really good in college. I enjoyed watching him in Kentucky. I thought he was solid on the Hornets. But the other night, you made him seem like he was Kevin Durant. I never said – what have I ever said he was Kevin Durant? What have I ever said he was He was James Harden? When, when did I ever say that he was healthy uh, – uh, that he was a healthy staff? I never said that. I said he was a microwave type of scorer who never said he was the microwave like Vinny Johnson was with the Pistons. I thought he was a scoring steal acquisition. And you made it seem like I thought he was freaking Kevin Durant. Because I think everyone who's listening to this can agree. Look at his Twitter. You made him seem – if you – just the way you described him <laughs> – if people looked at the way you described him and said, and you said, if I if I showed someone, or if someone showed me the way you described him and said, who is he talking about? <laughs> My score, unlimited range, limitless range. I'd been like, Curry, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you didn't bluntly just say he's on the level of Kevin Durant, but you made, you you after one good game from him made it seem like he was some demigod of a scorer. Was unlimited well, He's not and obviously not a demigod of a score, but he, considering what the Lakers got him for cheap in the off season on a one year deal, was a steal. He's playing like he's not playing great. He had like a good game, but he had a really good game against the Heat. But outside of that, he's averaging he's still averaging like seven eight points a game. Like, and then he has games like last night where he shoots one for whatever with five points in a the law of averages shooters get into struggles steph curry can have a bad night shooting it happens good shooters have one bad night malik skunks have many bad nights and one great night he had a great night against the spurs he had one great night and he had a solid game and he's had a couple got solid games since i mean since since he's had one game and it was a five point performance. I mean, he hasn't gotten a lot of touches, but I think it's going to be curious how he's going to fit in more with the rotation now that THT is coming back soon, this week actually, and Kendrick Nunn's coming back in the next couple weeks, so it's going to be interesting. But it, getting back to the team itself... Getting back to the team in general, I, I don't know what to make of them. I thought that game against the Heat, say what you want, be a hater, that I felt was a team where, okay, I think this team's turned the corner. But then if you come out flat and get outscored 40-12 to 12 in the third quarter, and then you're probably going to lose. They just did not take the Wolves seriously. Maybe it was because they were just tired from the, the two overtime games. I don't know what it was, but they just did not have that sense of urgency that they did on Friday night. Now we'll see how they do coming up before before embarking on the wet, the East Coast trip. I still would say that they with LeBron, I I think they will be fine. And from reports said the injury was not serious. I am concerned about him long term, but when LeBron comes back, I think they'll be just fine. Now 
let's talk about the hottest team in the league, the Golden State Warriors. That what they did, what they've done so far, ha- has been the biggest surprise in the league. I thought they would still be good without Clay for a while, and I thought on paper before the season started, I thought they would be the biggest threat in the West to the Lakers. But now looking at it, I think the Warriors, with even without Clay, they are still a legit threat, and they have the best record in the NBA right now. In your opinion, like, do you think this team? I know it's early still, but do you think this team is a legit title contender? Yes, one hundred percent. They do it. They win. They can. They uh, that's made a lot of people They haven't beaten any good teams. They've only won games at home. They've been dominating all these bad teams. Wait till they play a good team. Well, they played on ESPN on primetime last night against a very good team in the Bulls and absolutely demolished them in that second half. They started off slow, turned it over a lot, but they are hounds on defense. I mean, I didn't watch I didn't watch much of them this year because it's hard to watch their games here in Chicago. But watching them last night, they can go on runs and just demoralize your team. Watching Steph Curry hit 30-footer after 30-footer in your face, even when he misses them, they are hustlers. Like you have a guy like Draymond Green, Jordan Poole's a hustler, Gary Trent, or Gary Payton. Um, Gary Payton second has been unbelievable. I'll give him that. He's been terrific. And then Andrew Wiggins has been unbelievable this I'm, year. I, I'm not the biggest fan on him, but I will say he's fitting very well with the Warriors. But I think he's been better this year than he has in the past. And I think their defense, watching them against the Bulls, you know, Levine had a great game shooting, but they, he turned it over seven times, so they made him uncomfortable in the third quarter. When they played teams like the Bulls last night, didn't have Vucevic, which I think was a huge loss for them. I personally think Tony Bradley fits more with the Bulls than Vucevic does. He is more of a post-up scorer. Bradley is a better defender, in my honest opinion. What That's what... Uh, pick thought and like other people a lot of Bulls fans thought I've always been a Vooch defender this year he hasn't been playing great but a lot of people have been saying that we're better off with Tony Bradley than him and I said watch when Vooch doesn't play over these next five games we are not going to look good and we looked horrible last night and I think with Vooch it's really the game last night not saying we win or anything like that but I think it's a much we look much different watching last night Tony Bradley and Alex Johnson got Bullied down low by a team that doesn't have a, a like a great big. Um, Kevon Looney was their best big. Booch <laughs> spreads the floor on offense. The teams have to respect him from three while he's not shooting great. They still have to respect the three point shot. Tony Bradley is not a great post score. He had a couple good. A, he had like a game or two where he had a couple good scoring games, but he's not a good post score. He showed last night he's very soft down low on offense. He couldn't finish. He was very slow defensively. While he's a better rim-protecting big, more modern rim-protecting big, the Vooch fit with how the Bulls played defense where they didn't need a rim protector. They just needed him to kind of guard from the second hash to the three-point line. And last night, it just he, we didn't have a big who can really move. And the Warriors are very fast, and they're hounds. And they showed last night. In the league and why the Bulls really need to push them. And they need to push bad and they're going to move to the 
next four games at him. West Coast road trip. So getting back to Golden State, I, I think they are I know it's I know it's early if I had to pick an MVP right now it's I mean what he's done what he's done is incredible. And to say that he would get exposed with no Kevin Durant and with Clay being out, that is the most absurd thing ever. Because they were before Kevin Durant, they were the best team in the league for years. And they are very dominant. And what he's done with this group so far has been great. And they're having energy and they're feeding off each other with Poole, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Wiggins, and all these, and Damian Lee, and Gary Payton II, and all these guys. They are rejuvenated because of the leaders of Steph and Draymond on this team. And I will give them this. They are, they were, they've been, I knew they'd be good without Clay to start, but now the question's going to be how long, when will Clay kick in? I think he'll be 85% for what he was because he dealt with two serious injuries. And I don't know if he'll be the explosing, explosive player that he was before the injuries. But, I mean, look, let's just put it this way. I still think, coming off these injuries, he's easily going to be still one of the top two to five, two to three shooters in this game. So he's still going to be legit from shooting. I do think that the question will be what they will do in the postseason with this young squad because and, – and I still, with Steph and Draymond, I'm never going to bet against them. But the question is going to be, these are mostly going to be guys playing in the playoffs for the first time. So it's I'm, I, let's see how they do the further they advance, which I expect them to do when we get into the playoffs. And I, let's see how they do once they go further. But let me put it to you this way. With Steph and Draymond, I, I'm not going to bet against them. I, I, I'm not going to root for him, obviously. But I'm not going to bet against them if it makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think with it'll be interesting with Clay Thompson coming back because I I don't know what to expect because we obviously know and not going to what I mean. I hope he's going to come back and be still an electrifying shooter, and you're going to it's going to be fun watching him and Curry back on the court for the first time. And I mean, as an like, NBA fan, like take whatever team you support. Like as just an NBA fan, I I'm excited for when Clay Thompson comes back. He is better when him. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, of yeah. course. As much as, much as it sucks when you're playing against them or you bet against them or you're rooting against them and they just keep hitting shots and keep. If, if they're a show, they're unbelievable. They're the greatest shooting backcourt, unanimously the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of basketball. It's just going to be the one thing about Clay is. And by the way, Clay Thompson should have been a 75, top 75 player of all time. I would have put him over Dame. And easily. Yeah, 100%. And something very underrated about Clay's whole career is that he's been one of the best wing defenders in the league since he's been in the league. And that's been a huge part of his game because on offense, he's just a sharpshooter. He's not going to beat you off the dribble or do much like that. I mean, he had a game where he had 30-plus points without dribbling the ball. So No, he had three, I mean, three dribbles. Yeah, offense, he's just a sharpshooter. And then defensively, He's a hound on defense. He's a phenomenal wing defender. Oh, like mainly guarding the best uh, ball handler on each team, him or Draymond. 
So it's going to be interesting when he comes back. Is he going to be that quick on defense? Is he going to be able to guard the wing like he used to? Because coming off of an Achilles and an ACL, that's those are the two injuries that have always been tough to come back from for players. So it's going to be interesting. And at this point, I do think KD is the MVP, but Curry is just right up there, number two. You can go either way with them. I wouldn't be mad if either of them were the MVP at this point. But I think Clay, or KD is shooting 30%. Um, uh, or he's shooting 50%, averaging 30 points a game. That's crazy. Never really seen that. The thing and that KD has as a benefit, as great as still explosive as he is, his game was never relied on explosiveness. It was relied on being a lead jump shooter and pull-ups. That's who he was. And he's still the best pull-up jump shooter in the league. I got to concede that. And he's still the best scorer in basketball. I'm going to concede that as well. And I think that he – look, I think that he is going to go down – as much as I love LeBron, I'll say this. He will go down as the greatest scorer the game has ever seen, in my opinion. I think one of the best one, one of the three. I think Jordan still has the edge as the greatest scorer ever. I think just every play, you can just take it to the rack and he can score. He wasn't much of a passer, but he can just go right at you. Like, he didn't need a three-point shot. He, yeah. he, had a, he had the best mid-range of all time, and then he was a slasher. He won dunk contests. He was one of the better finishers. Like, he's, I think, in my opinion, still the best scorer of all time, but – KD, pure scoring wise, is definitely top three of all time because he can do it. He can also do it so many ways. Like, he yeah, can shoot the thing of course, on you, seven feet tall. He's taller than you. And going back to what you said about the Warriors not having, I mean, you're saying team, you want to see how they do because they have a lot of younger guys and a lot of guys without experience. Then you look at their core. Their when Clay comes back, their big three. Went to four finals together. Steph, Clay, and Draymond went to four finals. Yeah, I'm not together. denying that, but the, I'm just talking about the rest of the squad, in my opinion. Well, yeah, it's just every team when they win doesn't always have twelve guys who have been. No, I'm not out. expecting that, but like a majority of their rosters, like besides Steph, Clay, and Kate and Draymond, they are under twenty-five to thirty. I mean, yeah, they have Andre Iguodala. Uh, oh, and so. him too. Yeah, yeah, him too. But those four, four, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting he's on the Warriors again. I, I just, it's so crazy he's back on the Warriors. Sort of like how Iguodala was meant to come back to the, So, sort of like how Dwight was meant to come back to the Lakers. Iguodala was meant to come back to the Warriors. So you have four, four guys in the rotation. They run like a nine to ten minute rotation right now. So they have basically half their rotation has multiple years of finals experience. So I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. I mean, yes, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. uh, Because these guys have never experienced this type of an elite level winning before in their lives. Like Andrew Wiggins has made the playoffs once and they got bounced in five games, and they were the eighth seed. Uh, Damian Lee is, what's his, like, third, fourth year in the league? I don't know, but he hasn't – he's obviously still very new to this. Juan Toscano Anderson, is it like his second or third year in the league? Hasn't played – hasn't experienced this type of winning. He was pretty good last year. 
played well in the playing games. Um, and let's see, Jordan Poole, I think he's been phenomenal, but let's see if he can keep up the shooting in the postseason because I don't want to say he's Joe Harris just yet for the Brooklyn Nets because Joe Harris last year was an elite sharpshooter, and when it came to the playoffs and the clutch moments, he was a no-show. I'm not saying he's going to be that, but you never know. So I let's just say let's pump the brakes on them just yet. Again, I'm not going to bet against Steph, Clay, and Draymond, but I want to see how they do the further they advance in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this is a common theme, but the Suns also last year had a team that hadn't made the playoffs. Like Devin Booker hadn't ever made the playoffs. DeAndre Ayton had never made the playoffs. I'm also going to give them – could you also agree that their way to the finals was pretty lucky? I mean, yeah, they're a talented team, but they played an injured LeBron AD in round one, beat a Nuggets team without Jamal Murray. I don't know what would have happened, but Jamal, well, with Jamal Murray, they wouldn't have been swept by the by the Suns. And then they played a Clippers team without Kawhi. I mean, that that's you know you call you haters call the Lakers win in the bubble the Mickey Mouse ring. Well, well, I call the Suns' Western Conference appearance the Band-Aid Western Conference ring. The Band-Aid West ring. We're also the number two team in the league going into the playoffs. So, Well, you well, could have yeah. a great regular season team, but never shine in the playoffs. That Dang. can happen. I'm saying they weren't like a seven seed. I never said up. they were a seven seed. They were a good regular season team, but I had questions about them going to the playoffs. And I felt if they if LeBron AD were 100%, even the haters would not have expected them to win. And even if they did advance against the Lakers, I don't know if they would have beaten the Nuggets with a healthy Jamal Murray. And even me being a Clipper hater, non-biased, if they had Kawhi Leonard, they would the Clippers would have won that series. Okay. If the Queen had balls, she'd be the king. I might need to edit that out, but let's let's move on to the next topic. Uh, the, the, uh, next, uh, topic, uh, this is, okay, now these are two tight, well, you know what, before we get into the games, I'm going to talk about your Tennessee Titans, I'm going to show them love, in your opinion, I know they're without Derrick Henry, and that was, you, I know, I don't watch much of the Titans, I watch them when they appear on Red Zone, but if I had to guess, was that, like, your signature win of the year? Sunday night game against the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl in LA without King Henry. And you your defense did that to Matthew Stafford. Now and that was the best game Mike Vrabel, I think, has called his entire career. Would you say that's the best win you've ever had? Out of your years watching a Tennessee Titans game, like in the regular season? Um regular season. Not the biggest win because I've I've seen them win games that got them to the playoffs and stuff like that, but definitely the best game I've ever watched as a fan of the Titans because both sides of the ball did it. The offense didn't look great, but they when they got I didn't think your offense was great, but they but your defense put your offense in the best position to succeed. Yeah, since since getting Tannehill, since Tannehill's took over. We've kind of had this meteoric rise on our offense, and we've gone to being from being, 
one of the worst offenses and having a gritty defense that kept us in games to having a top five offense and basically no defense the past few years. So this game kind of was the coming out party for the defense. You know, I think all year I shouted them out last year, last week on the pod, I kind of said how they're a very underrated defense and overlooked and had guys that can make plays and the media didn't really talk about them a lot. And I think doing it on the stage of Sunday night football, open everyone's eyes to big Jeff, Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, who was, you know, you like to say Malik Monk was your steal of the offseason. I think the Titans steal of the offseason was Danico Autry. And Harold Landry had a sack. Kevin Byard had a pick six. Kevin Byard was your defensive MVP that game. He was he was his defense on Cooper Cup was phenomenal. And your defensive line, first what and I'll also concede this. Matt Stafford, that I, I love him. But that was the dumbest decision he's ever had, that twirling throw he had in the end zone. And Terry McClory, the NFL analyst, the, the officiating analyst on Sunday Night Football, said if he would have just gotten tackled there, it wouldn't have been a safety because of forward progress. And what he did, the swirling around, as soon as that happened, I said, okay, the Rams are in trouble. And that pick six, after Kevin Byard's pick six, Picking off Matt Stafford, I said that game. I knew it would be over. Your defense was amazing. I said, where the hell did this come from? Um, I think it's – well, they have never had a – they have been like this all year. I think it's been there all year. It's just been putting it together all at once. Like our secondary has struggled at times. Our pass rush has struggled at times. Last night, everything – or that Sunday night, everything kind of came together when our whole secondary was banged up, like Christian Fulton was out, Caleb Farley's out for the year. So we were playing with second, third stringers on the backside. But then our pass rush finally, you know, showed out. And I think as good as the pass rush was, a lot of the credit has to go to the secondary. A couple of those sacks were coverage sacks where Stafford's holding the ball long because there's no one open downfield. So it gave time for Jeff Simmons to get in there. Jeffrey Simmons, man, he's just been all year long. He was rated in the top 100 for the like the NFL top 100 going into the year. He was rated in there, and a lot of people were questioning that because a lot of people don't know much about him, but it's his third year in the league now. He's put it in the league on notice Monday night against the Bills. A lot of people love the narrative of Josh Allen slipped. Josh Allen didn't slip on that last play. If you watch it, Jeffrey Simmons put his arm in front of him, hit his helmet, and Josh Allen just stopped. He couldn't go anymore because he's a three hundred pound beast. Jefferson I give you that, but he did slip a little bit. I'm not. I'm not going to discredit your defense, but he did slip a little tiny of a slip. He, he slipped because Jeffrey Simmons stopped his progress. So when he's trying to chug forward with his legs, they just gave out under him because of Jeffrey Simmons pushing him back. So that, and then Jeffrey Simmons Sunday night had three sacks and forced that interception in the end zone for Stafford to make that throw, and David Long picked it off, who's been phenomenal. And we got Jayon Brown back because our middle linebacker, Rashawn Evans, he's out right now with like an ankle injury or something. So Jayon Brown just came off the IR and started playing again. So him and David Long, they're both kind of the same player where they're speedy and they're more pass-defending, third-down type of linebackers. So they're not big run-stoppers, but... They did a great job in coverage the other last game. Um, Kevin Byard 
I mean, he was an all pro a few years ago and then kind of had a couple bad years. Last year was one of his worst years. He had Titans fans calling for him to get cut as a cap casualty. Um, and then he proved, he's been proven this year why he's still an all pro safety and he did it on the big stage. He got a pick six. I saw someone, I, I was looking through Twitter before the game and one of these Titans accounts that I follow, I forgot exactly what the name is, but they tweeted out before the game, Kevin Byard, we're going to pick six tonight. And then after the pick six happened, I was like, whoa. Cause he's he got a crazy mind. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, yeah, I think the defense set the tone right away with those big picks. And then the offense just had to do enough. The offense didn't look great. Uh, we didn't run the ball great, but I have trust in Adrian Peterson. He said right after the game, he FaceTimed his son and his son said, you were running too high. So he said, he said to the press yesterday that he didn't even have to watch film to know he was running too high. He did run he too he, high. He He's not what he used to be, but at the same time, he's serviceable enough to where he could be a threat. I'm not saying he's going to be not going to I'm not saying he's going to be a 100-yard rusher, but I think he can get you like 65, maybe 70 yards, maybe. But I'm curious though. How about your about your man Julio Jones who I just saw is going to be expected to miss 3 weeks and he he's been hampered by injuries all season. Do you expect are you concerned at all about that? So, I think the for for week one bad game overall, not really his fault, just a bad game for the whole team. Uh, week two, we find we saw what Julio is. He had a hundred yard game, should have had a touchdown. Still hate the refs for calling that one back. Should have been a touchdown. Still should be. A it touchdown. should have been a touchdown. And then after that, against the Colts in week three, he popped his hammy, and just since week three hasn't been the same. He's been on and off the field. Even when he is active for the game, he's been playing like 50% of the snaps. So I feel like field. when he's in, he's just a decoy. Um, yeah, and it's just like he's not in enough to be able to get the targets that Tannehill's going to give and like that we're going to run plays for him because he's not in as much. And when he's in, he has not been 100%. And then last game, we kind of saw he only had four targets and four catches, but there were some big plays, some big catches. And that was the best he's looked since week two, like as a Titans fan watching all the games. And then this week, it was Wednesday, he was left off of the injury report for the first time all year. And like Titans Twitter was going, it was like, all right, we're fine, we're back. Like Julio's back off the injury report. Our offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, was saying, this is the best he's looked. We're ready to get him going. He's ready to roll. Julio was hype. And then Thursday, uh, they've practiced in the tent, or not the tent, in the bubble, and that means it's on turf. It's different, and it's different. And a lot of guys who have injuries or are banged up don't practice on that turf because it yeah, has I been mean, known. I, I'm not. I obviously don't follow religiously like the Titans, but I follow them because of fantasy updates. I mean, AJ Brown, Julio would usually rest those days just for practice and just to get, save themselves for 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 Sunday or yeah, Monday. That's why. Yeah, so a lot of people do sit out of those practices Thursday and Friday. Because Thursday this week, a lot of guys did sit out because it was on that turf in the bubble. A lot of guys who had been on the injury report questionable did not practice that day because of the injury concern. They didn't want to re-injure anything. And then Julio went out there and practiced after being off the injury report the day before. And I saw a tweet from Teron Davenport, a Big Titans reporter, uh, verified on Twitter. He tweeted saying, something to look for 
right at the end of practice on this route. And there was a video, you can go see it on Twitter. He, uh, he was running a route and he slipped on his route and then the ball was overthrown. Then you can hear him yell the F word. And he said right after that video, he walked off to go to the trainers and then didn't show up for practice or the media. So that was at the time I was like, all right, that sucks. Cause now he's back on the injury report with his hamstring. But I also had a sort of optimism that he maybe was just pissed about slipping on his route and was just going to the trainers to get ice because like he was still recovering kind of from the injury and it was the end of practice. So like he didn't really miss much, but then he didn't practice yesterday, Friday. And then today when they had to make their roster moves, because like everyone has to make their roster moves on Saturday before the game, they finally put him on the IR. And at first I was like, damn, but then I'm thinking about it now. I tweeted this out. I'm actually happy that he's on the IR. Not happy that he's hurt, but whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not. No, I'm just saying I'm glad that he's finally on the IR instead of being on and off. Because we brought him here for January and February, and we've gone to the seven and two point with him being on and off. So I don't think we're going to fall off in the next three games without him, but. We need him to be 100% healthy. And giving him weeks 10, 11, and 12 off, all right, the weeks 11, 10, 11, 12 off, and then the week 13 bye gives him that time to get 100% healed. Because I think if we give him that four-week period for Hammy, he's going to be 100% healed by December, by January, by February. So I think it's best for him and best for the team that he just kind of takes these – few weeks off, heals the hamstring, doesn't practice, and then we go forward from there because A.J. Brown's fully healthy now. So he's been balling. So I, I, I expect a big game out of your man, A.J. Brown, because yeah, my shot. fantasy team has struggled, mainly because Mahomes and Kelsey have been terrible and the injuries. So hopefully A.J. Brown, I, I expect – you think he's going to get a big game for me for fantasy? Yeah, I think he's like – going to be the main target even with Julio there and now that Julio's gone he's going to get a lot of targets uh I think Nick Westbrook Bikini is going to have to step up Chester Rogers is hurt uh we just called up Des Fitzpatrick from the practice squad he was a fourth rounder we took this year never made the roster but then we just cut Josh Reynolds and now Des Fitzpatrick's going to maybe get his moment Marcus Johnson so a lot of these guys who played well in the preseason and played well in practice that are going to get their shots. They got their shots with AJ Brown and Julio out earlier in the year, but now they're really going to need it as we head into December and November with Julio out. And shout out AJ coming out oh, yesterday. Yeah. I, I I was going to mention that before we move on to our our next topic. Um, he is just not only is I send this to you. Not only is AJ Brown an amazing, talented receiver. He's a greater guy off the field. And for him to do that, it made, it made me tear up when I watched that video because he is he's a great guy. And for him to say that and the courage to come out with the mental health issues he's dealt with, um, it was powerful. And I And as much as we love watching him, the player, we have to understand that everybody's dealing with something off the off the field or on the field. 
So, I mean, kudos to him for coming out with that. And he's just a great guy. And kudos to him and the Titans for handling that. I just – with all class, that's all I have to say on that yeah. end. Yeah, because, like, me, the basic fan, and, like, just everyone kind of last year, just all we really saw was him on the field getting these phenomenal games, having an, a Pro Bowl year, making the playoffs, having fun on the field, having a great time on the field, all that, but no one really sees him off the field. Like, you see his TikToks, he makes funny TikToks every once in a while, but, like, with his kid and stuff. But no one really knew. You couldn't You couldn't know from just watching the games and stuff in November last year that he was going through depression and these thoughts. So it's good. I'm glad that he found help and he's using his voice now to help others because I know I saw – I was scrolling through Twitter earlier. Someone in the Titans Twitter community tweeted that uh, he's found help now because – he said he saw AJ Brown's video and then seeked help, and now he's talking to someone about it. So I think he's going to make a big difference and like just using his platform to help others. And especially with what like Calvin Ridley's going through, no one really knows exactly what that is, but it could be something similar. And I think that's going to, I think it opens people's eyes to the fact that these are human beings too. Right. Now, now let's let's get to a more um, fun topic. Uh, well, it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry, Rodgers is back against, and so is Russell Wilson in a primetime game. A must win, mostly for Seattle because they've fallen off, obviously because one of the top three, two to three quarterbacks in the league is is out due to that thumb injury. But he's cleared and he is back and he's ready to take on the Packers. I'm going to do my picks podcast later, so I will mention my pick on that as well for those listening. But if you had to pick between these two teams, these are one of the two. These two games we're going to discuss, I feel like are going to be the two most watched games in my opinion. So for this game, for uh, the Packers and Seahawks, who you got? Um, you know, first of all, great story with Russ returning, Rodgers – returning from this one week hiatus. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> behind it, how Rodgers look after having COVID, because we kind of saw last year Cam Newton didn't look the same after COVID last year. No. A lot of guys, Rodgers is not practicing this week because he has to come off the IR, or the COVID IR today. So he's basically just going in there and playing. But if anyone's going to do it, it's Rodgers. He's always been a guy who doesn't really need to, like practice, he kind of just goes in there, plays football, and wins the game. Um, Russ returning from that injury. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a stat I saw was that Russ has never in the Russ and Rogers sort of rivalry with the Seahawks and Packers. Russell Wilson has never lost at Lambeau, while Rogers has never lost in Seattle. So they've both. No, 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 no. Only- I think it's the opposite. No, it's, I think it's no, 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 it's the opposite because I remember the Seahawks were at home when they play the Packers, they always win. But Russ, Russell's never won in Lambeau. I'm positive on that. I think you got it reversed. But this Packers defense has played great lately without their offense really producing as much. Packers, if they can establish the run, will win this game, and I think they will. And I think the Packers win this game. While the hunt, even though that goes against what I believe is in the hungry dog runs faster. I think the Seahawks need this game. I think they're going to be playing their butts off, but I think 
the Packers are the better team. I think Rodgers wants to prove everyone wrong. This is kind of a big FU game for Rodgers. And if anyone does that better than anyone, F-U it's Rodgers. game. Rodgers and Brady, they, they both just love proving the haters wrong. It's not haters. It's not what they – I don't question him on the field. I question his morals off the field. Tom Brady, we don't question him off the field. I don't question him off the field. Aaron Rodgers, I question off the field. On the field, I know he's great. I'm not discrediting that. He doesn't need to prove this game for anybody. He just needs to just to just repair his image. But I don't think he. this is a game he has to prove because we know he's a great quarterback. I think he's – Brady's the GOAT, but I think Rodgers is the best overall quarterback. It, for me being a, a now Aaron Rodgers hater, mostly off the field. But I, I, don't think, I don't think it has anything to prove, but I think it's just an FU game kind of to the media. And okay, now this is a do-or-die game for the Seattle Seahawks because of Russell Wilson being back. It will give them a big boost on the, offense, on the offensive side of the ball because their team without Russell Wilson, is they are not good. But they have they just have a few they have great receivers DK and Tyler Lockett and when healthy they have a solid running back in Chris Carson but they are not a good football team and since Russell got out of the league got hurt the Seahawks at total offense this league are now the 29th ranked offense slightly above the Miami Dolphins the Bears and the Texans so this is a do or die game right now uh, for for the Seahawks, in my opinion. And I think with Russell Wilson coming back, it'll only help. Now, the question is the defense. They played great against the Jets. They, they've played pretty well of late, but I do not know if they are going to hold up against this offense because I think Aaron Rodgers will come back and will be fine. Um, I, they still have Devontae and Aaron Jones. They still have a good team, and their defense is pretty good against the run now. So I am not loving the Seahawks' chances to win that game, but I will concede this. Because of the drama surrounding the Packers with Aaron Rodgers going on, and and the fact is I, I think he will be good enough I just think in the end, I think the, the, the Seahawks are due for a win in Lambeau, in my opinion. So I think that the Seahawks will win because if they can, they're going to control the time possession, I feel like. And I think Russell's going to come back swinging, be, being out for so many weeks. And I think this defense, who's improved lately, sort of like they were last year, I think they will. They will get. They're not going to shut Aaron Rodgers down, but they will make things difficult for him, in my opinion. And I think Russell's due for his first win at Lambeau. And with the controversy surrounding Aaron Rodgers, I don't think this team is mentally right yet. Going on, so I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game, 24 to 21. Um. Oh, if we're getting. I think it'll be a close one. I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks won, but I just think the Packers are a better team overall. I'm not questioning if they're a better team. If that scandal or controversy did not happen with Aaron Rodgers, I think the Pack, I would have picked the Packers to win. 
But with the storyline of Russ coming back, and I think it'd be a great story if the Seahawks picked it up. And I'm not going to bet against Russell Wilson coming off that injury, in my opinion. There's one guy I do not bet against besides Brady now. It is Russell Wilson. Yeah, I never bet I never bet Um, There's only one guy I don't bet against, and it's Brady. I mean, I'll bet against people. (laughs) Skip Bayless. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I think it's a pretty smart thing to not bet against Brady. I mean, yeah, on prime time in the regular season with the Buccaneers, yes. But all right, you know, ne- next. All right, we're getting off topic on that one. Uh, the next topic on on for today is this is the, my other anticipated game of two teams in the AFC trying to battle for that playoff spot in the seventh spot. It's the Browns at the Patriots. Now, this is a very anticipated game. This is the Browns' second game without really OBJ on the squad. They're at New England to take on a very improved New England team that's won three of their last four. They're playing some great ball. Mac Jones has lately been really solid for them. Who do you have winning this game? I think the Browns win. I don't understand the line. I mean, if the Patriots are favored, I don't understand it. I think the Browns are the better team. I think the Patriots are rolling lately with their defense. But I think it's the Browns, Patriots minus two and a half at home. Yeah, I still don't understand. I think the Browns are the much better team, and they've proven without Chubb, without Hunt, that they can still have a run game. The other game, Dearness Johnson started, he had 117 yards. So no, nothing against Nick Chubb, but I'm saying anyone can work in that offense as a running back. Well, and, Nick – Nick Chubb is one of the better running backs in football. Oh, yeah, he's phenomenal. But they still won a game with Dearness Johnson. He carried them in that game pretty much. He had 100-plus yards rushing. He had some big runs at the end of the game. I think the Browns are rolling right now. I think they that last game is a for them. It's going to turn around their season. I think the Patriots are a little bit limited on offense, so I don't think they can maybe keep up with the Browns if they're scoring. But I think the Patriots – I think Mac Jones is going to feel his first pressure with Miles Garrett coming off the edge. And Miles Garrett's inside too. Uh, with all the pressure on Mac Jones after the Brian Burns incident. I think Miles Garrett comes out and has two sacks coming for his head. I think he's gonna rattle him in the pocket even when Mac Jones gets a throw off before getting hit. I think Miles Garrett's gonna be in his head. Um he's the quarterback graveyard. I think Jadavian Clowney's gonna do shit because that guy sucks. But uh, he's a bum. But Miles Garrett. You, you, you're only saying that because he did that for the Titans, so you're biased. You a hater. Yeah, I'm a hater. Jadavion Clowney stinks. But hater. Miles Garrett's gonna get Mac Jones' head. It's gonna make him. He's gonna force him. He's gonna throw two picks. He's gonna get sacked a couple times by Garrett. And I think the Browns' offense is gonna roll through uh, Belichick. Same. If we're gonna give scores. I think the Browns win, uh, twenty-seven to sixteen. I think it's a pretty convincing victory. I'm not, I don't know about convincing victory, but I will love to pound the Cleveland Browns to win this game. I think that, first of all, it was no coincidence that the Browns were at least freed up on offense without Odell Beckham Jr. last week. And you saw how great they were at Cincinnati. And time of possession, they, they, were, they dominated the time of possession. And Dearness Johnson, he's a stud. And Baker, say what you want. I know you and Pick and all these guys are Baker haters. 
But Baker Mayfield was great last week. He had one of the four best QBRs of last week. Wait, wait. Yep. So, Josh, so you have Herbert as your number five of your MVP, and you have just Josh Allen number four. Yeah, I think Allen does it both ways. He he throws the ball phenomenally, and I think he has adds that bit of the game to the running game. He's, I mean, as much as people talk about Kyler Murray running the ball, Josh Allen's doubled his rushing yards this year. His three rushing touchdowns. So while he's fallen off a bit lately in the past couple of weeks, and I think. The Bills are a tad bit overrated. I think he – you have to look at his first six games before he was playing at an MVP level. And who's number three for you? Number three, I still think Kyler Murray. He missed a game, but he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league before that. He does it both ways. Like I said, running the ball, throwing the ball. He is completing 72% of his balls this year. That's phenomenal. That's for a guy like him, that's absurd. Uh, he's 110 rating. He's a seven and one record at quarterback. Um, yeah. And, and then number two. Two. Um, despite Thursday night, I think Lamar Jackson's number two still. I think going into Thursday night, he was fringe on my number one. But as as a Titans fan, I hate the Ravens, but Lamar, he's. Oh, Top of course five. you hate the Ravens because of what they did to your logo last year. You did it to them in the regular season. I like the little Titans-Ravens rivalry. They had, a, they had a really good rivalry a while back, and now I think it's kind of rejuvenated, and I think them being the top two teams in the AFC right now, we might be able to see them later in the playoffs. Uh, but the Ravens, I mean, Lamar, he's top five in rushing, top five in passing. That's, I mean, <laughs> what else do you want from him? His team's six and three. They're second in the AFC. He's throwing the ball better. He's turning it over a little bit too much lately, but he's kind of carried this team offensively on his shoulders when they've gone when they've fallen behind. He's one from behind. And then number one, you might not like this, but TB12, the goat. Tom I Brady's have him on my list. I think he's the top. I think he's the MVP. I mean, despite having a bye week, he still is worlds ahead of everyone in passing yards. He's averaging 331 passing yards a game. He has 25 touchdowns. Five interceptions. He's on 108.6 quarterback rating uh, or passer rating. He's completing 67% of his balls. They're six and two. And yeah, I think that's why he's number one. He's going to break records passing yards wise. And I mean, this top five was especially hard to make because I, I give some honorable mentions to guys like Stafford, Rogers, Dak, Carr, Tannehill. I mean, Henry, if he wasn't hurt, but there's just. So many guys this year that are all kind of playing it up and down. You know, one week this guy's the MVP, the next week he's not because he has a bad game and someone else has a good game. So usually by week 10, you have a few guys who have kind of pulled away in the MVP. This year you don't. This year everyone's top fives are different, which I think is great for the NFL. I think you have so, there's so many good teams in the NFL. And yeah, that's my top five. Okay. Now on. Now for my number, my top five, real quick before we end the show. At number five on my list is Josh Allen. Um, look, I, I know the Bills have been slightly overrated this year, and their offense has been very inconsistent. And I can't defend them on that against the Jaguars. That was probably the most embarrassing loss I've seen all weekend. Not for score wise, but losing to Jacksonville is inexcusable. Putting up six points on them, you have to admit, is very inexcusable. So. 
I can't defend that. And Josh Allen said after the game, I played like S-word, and he did. But I still think talent-wise, just on running and throwing the ball, I think he's overall the best right now. I mean, I can't hate on Josh Allen just for one bad game. I can hate on the Bills for not for being kind of overrated this year, but he's still top 10 in the league in passing yards. He's still one of the better running quarterbacks in the league. And he's still one of the has one of the better QBRs in football. So, I mean, I'm not going to – and he still has 110 uh, – still has a 97 passer rating. So, look, I'm not going to hate on him. I still think the Bills would be nothing with despite being an inconsistent offense. They wouldn't be anything without Josh Allen right now. And they still lead the AFC East. So, he's still at number five on for me. Number four, uh, I'm going to have to, – uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. at number four on my list because I can't get put him at number two or three because of that bad game he had against the Saints. And also, as great as he's been this year, I'll give you this, he's been great. Some of his the teams he's played, he had when he had field days on him, they have not been that good at all. I mean, he played, I mean, the Falcons, I mean, the Dolphins, the Eagles and the Bears? Are you kidding me? Like, what kind of schedule is this? And then I give you the Dallas game was he played very well. And but the Rams, I mean, we disagree on the Rams game. I thought he played well in the second half because they were down by 14 points. And I thought against the Patriots, he was not that good that game, even though they won by two. And against the Saints, arguably had his worst game of the season. He had three total turnovers that game, two interceptions. One of them was a pick six, and one of them was a, a strip sack. So I'm not going to give him that, but he has had a great year. At number three, I have Lamar at number three, and despite that bad game against the Dolphins, he still is top ten in both passing yards and and one of the top, and rushing yards on the year. And he's still one of the more electrifying players in the league. The Ravens' offense will figure it out against. Uh, will figure it out, and I'm still going to put him at the number three spot. Number two, I have my Matt, my man who I picked to win the Super Bowl, Matt Stafford, at number two. Yes, he had a pathetic game against your Titans. I'm not going to excuse that, but what he's done this year so far to lead the league in passing yards, and he's he he leads the league and passer rating. It's phenomenal. He's the overall and he leads the league at QBR. He's been terrific all year long. He had a bad game, yes, but the Stafford to Cooper Cup connection is amazing. It's the best this year it's been the best QB wide receiver duo in the league. And they have been they work together like bread and butter in my opinion. So Matt Stafford still gets the number two spot. We'll see how he does in the postseason. I have questions about him because this is the best team he's ever been on. But as of right now, he's number two on my list. At number one, on is still Kyler. Yes, he is. He was hurt and he missed last week, and I can't defend him and for that game against the Packers. But still, Kyler Murray this year has been nothing but explosive. I mean, he's top ten in passing yards this year one of the better QBRs in the league. And 
I mean, 17 touchdowns, seven picks, and the Arizona Cardinals still have the best record in the NFC. I mean, you can't discredit that, what he's been able to do. And he's moving the ball around with D-Hop, Kirk, and he has a great running game with um, with Edmonds and James Conner. He's the anchor of that offense, so I got to give him at number one. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I don't agree with all the spots, but I don't disagree with the, the list. I mean, Stafford, I can see why you have him that high. It just goes to say, there goes the show how so many guys can be in the top five. Like you can, we could ask a third party person. He'd probably have a different top five than us and have someone in there that we don't have. And when I was making the top five list, I had Rogers in there originally. And then I was like, well, this guy's playing better than him. Herbert's playing better than him. Well, better than him. I, I, so. I did have Aaron Rodgers in my top five until the, the Stanton <laughs> thing happened. And I, I, and I just don't, I don't know if he's going to get it back. Not, because, like, I don't think he'll play great, but because, I don't know, people in the media, let's just say he's not the most well-liked person in the media right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want, we can do a – like, we could just run through our top ten really quick. We don't have to – I think we're um, – we'll do it from next time. Um, I thank you guys so much for doing another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. Jay Goody, thank you so much for joining again, my man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for a good pod. I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, See you guys next week. See you guys next week. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.